0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. We kind of sort of missed last week. We're sorry, but uh, I'm here with my co host, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian?
0: I'm good, John. How about you? It's always good to discuss another great hokey win.
1: Oh, yeah. It was uh, everybody was patting me on the back. I'm like, what the heck did I do? <laughs> it worked today because everybody knows we do this at work and they wrote, read our stuff at work. And, and where I work, there are a lot of Hokies. And everybody was strutting around like they own the place. Well, let's go over this real quick. This was uh, this was a win that a lot of people who don't like the Hokies are trying to poo-poo. They're trying to downplay it. Oh, it was just Georgia Tech. Oh, it was they weren't as good. Wake was a better win, blah, blah. Yes, Wake was structurally the better win. To have this shutout and to have this total domination shutout when Georgia Tech was looking like it was getting up off the mat, that's a whole different ball of wax. That's This is it's something that's really important to talk about because we had a situation where finally every phase of the game was firing on all cylinders.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to... When people say something about the win, I'm not going to apologize for any win. I mean, look where we were. We've discussed it so much the past several weeks where we were at the end of September, and now look where we are, and we control our own destiny. and We're just two wins away from that matchup against Clemson in the Charlotte, so any win's a good win at this point and just to have a win like that 45 nothing over an ACC team especially an ACC team that's won the last three meetings forget who the coach is now or the style of offense it felt good to get that monkey off our backs and just to dominate to have a game over in the second quarter again like it used to be I mean I remember the old days of the the big East in the first several years in the ACC, We won games like this all the time. And it was nice to get back to that instead of struggling to beat teams like ODU and Furman in the third and fourth quarter. This is this is a fun run and everyone should appreciate it. Sit and stop the message board whining and moaning.
1: Yeah, I, I was sort of surprised by some people. They just have to find a negative somewhere. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> it's, that's, uh, just... that's
0: two thousand that's where we are in two thousand nineteen and social media tough guys out there. So
1: yeah. So, okay, the win. Let's just talk about what we saw offense first.
0: Yeah. I think the thing that stands out for me on offense was, was just it was, a, it was an efficient beatdown. I mean, you look at Hendon Hooker's numbers, you know, he completed nine of 13 passes, 159 yards. I mean, nothing that stood out big time, but he didn't have to. He was efficient. He completed, you know, over well over 60% of his 70% of his passes. And again, did not turn the football over. We can't stress that enough. He's 5-0 as a starter, does not turn the ball over. I don't want to jinx him, so I'm not going to say any more about it. But we ran for 238 yards. The jet sweep, all those frustrating jet sweeps early in the year, I'm still not in love with the call as much, but it's starting to pay off. Now, each week we're breaking big 30- and 40-yard runs, and you had Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson break big ones this week, and that just changes the dynamic of the running game. Spreads everything out. It's just a, it's nice and makes the things easier for King and McLeese in the backfield, and just a, just a fun game.
1: I tell you, what was really hard? It was really hard watching the first half and chewing my nails as we stumbled out of the gate. We kicked off. We got a great quality stop, and then the offense just tripped over itself, like it was the collective big duh. And then we had to punt the ball away. And then I'm like, oh, no, we're going to get hit. And the defense got a quality stop again. <laughs> it was like, wait, <laughs> this, is, this happened? Oh, so now the offense comes in, and instead of opening like they opened before, you open with something dynamic and interesting. And then we broke a big play. And then inside of the 10-yard line, we got what we needed to get. And Hendon Hooker put the ball over the goal line. Now he didn't get tackled on it. The ball didn't go down in the end zone. He got credit for the touchdown because he got over the goal line, which is all you had to do is get, you know, that imaginary curtain there on the goal line. So all he had to do was cross that goal line with the ball, whether he was down or not, it was a touchdown. It took a little while for them to signal it. I thought it was a little strange. They were like, it seemed like the refs were talking about it a little bit. Like maybe we don't want to give it to him, but On that drive, I started to breathe again. And the reason why I started to breathe again is that was the most – it wasn't the opening drive, it was the second drive, but it was the most complete, true opening drive of this season, at least an early drive. So we scored a touchdown. It wasn't like a a stall on the 20 or a stall on the 15 and had to kick a field goal. That was special. That meant something to me. That meant something it was gonna there's gonna be a fundamental change going on. Yeah,
0: this team is playing its best football in November, and that's pretty pretty exciting. And it's not just one side of the ball. I mean, the offense is clicking, efficient. We we knew we had a ton of weapons and we knew we were young on the offensive line, but once things started to come together and things are starting to come together, it's an exciting group. I mean we had eleven completions on Saturday. Damon Hazleton didn't catch a pass. Who would who would have thought if you win forty five nothing, Hazleton starts, doesn't catch a pass. He didn't need to catch a pass. James Mitchell, four catches, ninety yards, a touchdown. It's the past few weeks have been so exciting seeing him be involved in the passing game. The kid is a future star. I want to see more Keenan Mitchell. I say it every week. I want to keep seeing more Keenan Mitchell because that means more opportunities for Trey Turner and Hazleton and Tavion Robinson, who are all studs too.
1: Yeah, it, it's the secret sauce here is is spreading it around. We have the best receiver core we've had ever. I'm sorry for people who are thinking in the past and they pick out the one or two guys or the maybe the combination of two guys like Danny Cole and Jarrett Boykin, you know, the t- onesie-twosie. We've never had eight, nine quality receivers, including receivers out of the backfield. We saw Keyshawn King. What did we see Keyshawn King do? We saw Keyshawn King run that old David Wilson wheel route out of the backfield and take off down the sideline. So it's a whole different dynamic in the passing game. And now we've got the running game that's working. And the running game is not working because it's anything much better than it was before as far as the talent goes. What's much better is, is we've got two quarterbacks, whether it's Hendon Hooker or Quincy Patterson, who not only can run because Willis could run, Willis didn't run. He didn't want to run. He, he can't have- run like he can't run like these guys. Are they? Changing? No, and he cannot keep up with these guys. So we'll talk about the defense in the in the next segment, but the last five minutes of this is to kind of highlight what happened in the game on offense. And the significant piece that happened on offense was the switch in the second half. After that first drive, they took out Hendon hooker and they put in Quincy Patterson and it didn't look like it was because hooker was hurt. I mean, I'm sure they resting his knee is it was a good idea, but what we ran into at this point, was this amazing sort of hey we're ahead 31 to nothing garbage time but it wasn't garbage time was it
0: well for these young kids no definitely not these young kids this playing time was huge for them and you speak of that and a kid that really impressed me was Caleb Stewart the red shirt freshman running back out of Florida we'd heard things about him being in a doghouse earlier in camp and battling an injury too and First real chance he got to play, and it was late, but man, he was running over people. He looked quicker than I'd imagined. I thought he was just more of a thumper, but he looked quicker than I imagined.
1: Yeah, he was doing pretty special things. And that's what I wanted to bring up about that. It wasn't garbage time. We went to the twos and threes. Justin Fuente went to the twos and threes on purpose with a reason behind it, and he lost almost no momentum. He went to his backups and continued to play the same football game.
0: And that's what we were accustomed to in the in the successful Beamer years, not the latter ones, but throughout Frank's tenure, you know that they're in a the special, you know, that 15-, 20-year run there where you would see guys blowing somebody out in the second half. They would bring the second and third stringers in, the kid, young kids, freshmen, sophomores, and the game wouldn't change. They would continue to blow out. It, it was all about pride. You know, and we'll get to the defense later, but we definitely saw that on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, man, they were, it was fun. Everybody that played contributed. That offensive line was pushing people around. It was
1: it was a was a nice sight. Yeah, it was it was a complete game, and a complete game on offense was something this team really needed. Now, here's the trick: in the last couple of minutes of this this segment, we have to turn around now because this is there's got to be built on this. And what's got to be built on this is we're facing the pit team that is scary. It's not that we can't beat them because I think we can, this team can beat Pitt. It's just going to be Pitt. And Pitt is always brutal when it comes to coming into Lane Stadium and really putting an elbow in our face.
0: Yeah, it's not like, it's not like just like the Pitt's, you know, been an issue the last couple of years they've kind of been a thorn in our side for the past, I don't know, 15 years on and off. They've kind of been a thorn. You know, they, they came into the ACC much later than we did, but we were still playing them and they've always kind of been just, I remember some of those battles in the big East you had with Larry Fitzgerald going up against D'Angelo Hall. I mean, there was some always some good competitive battles between these two teams. And last year was just physical domination. If we, we go back and look at that game and, that game was more of a microcosm of last season and how disappointing it was because we look like a high school team against them. And we know the talent wise, they're no better than, they weren't any better than us. We were just a defeated team mentally and physically. And then, and I know this year it won't be the same. I'm, I'm not going to see him predict a win right now. I'm just saying we will not get physically dominated the same way we did last year. I can guarantee that.
1: No, but Nardo has his defense working. That's for sure. Now, I'm less afraid of Pickett now. Kenny Pickett is not as much of a threat anymore. And that's what we're going to end up talking about here in this second segment. If you got anything else on the offense, I'd like to hear it.
0: No, I'm ready to turn the page.
1: All right. Well, we'll be back and we'll get a couple of commercials in here. And then we're going to talk about the defense.
0: Welcome back to in Turkey. Before we went to the break, we discussed the Tech's offense and the 45-0 win over Georgia Tech and how impressive it was. But even more impressive was the defense's 45, their hand in the 45-0 win. John, what stood out to you defensively on Saturday? Oh,
1: man, the, the numbers, the numbers are bewildering. Uh, first of all, a shutout of a team that the offense was actually sort of clicking on. Their starting quarterback was actually reasonably good. They challenged the tar out of UVA the prior week. This in kid could run, yeah, in Charlottesville. This kid could run. This kid could pass. He had some receivers on Saturday. He had nothing on Saturday. He couldn't run the ball. He couldn't throw the ball. He couldn't see where he was going. The defensive line played a near perfect game. Crawford was the golden ad. Crawford was the needed spark, the needed juice, the needed beef that Jared Hewitt needed. So you have Deshaun Crawford and Jared Hewitt who stopped the middle. You had defensive ends now that are starting to get smart penetration. They're not over-penetrating anymore. You notice that this kid could go nowhere. If he tried to make maneuver out of the pocket, he was running into a 45 or an 8. You had Belmar on one side and Garbett on the other side, and they weren't letting this kid go anywhere.
0: Yeah, you speak of Belmar and, and him playing defensive end. I think he, st- he started out as a linebacker here, and, and really there was no – it didn't seem like he had a bright future as a starter here. More it looked like a backup. He moved to defensive end, and, and that kid is good. And not only that, if there was an improved player award that we could give out, I think two guys who stand out to me the most are Emmanuel Belmar and Caleb Farley. But Belmar is just – he gets pressure every week. He's good against the run. He's earned that starting spot, and he's solidified that spot. He's no longer at that starting spot because there's no one else. He's there because he's a good football player. Garbett gets better every week. Garbett's going to be a serious pass rusher before his time here is up. As you mentioned, Deshaun Crawford, Norrell Pollard, Jared Hewitt, Mario, these kids are getting better every week. It's
1: demonstrable. That's the big thing. You said it every week. It's not, oh, they got better this season. They're getting measurably better every single week.
0: Yeah, and Pollard and Kendricks are two red shirt freshmen. I mean, not I'm sorry, true freshmen, defensive tackles. I don't know how people realize how hard it is to play defense, to come in as a defensive or offensive lineman as a true freshman and make the plays they're making. But, and Pollard, I think is, will still listed like a 255 pounds playing D tackle and he's not getting physically abused out there. He's, he's throwing people around. He's using his quickness, just a good, exciting bunch of guys. And Deshaun Crawford, that, that guy's getting better. That guy is a really good player. Could be an all ACC guy next year. I didn't realize he was this good and he's getting better. And, Yeah, he's he's actually a good pass rusher too.
1: The ability now to collapse the A gap into the quarterback's lap is critical. Now you have defensive ends that don't overrush, that aren't so hot that they know they need to get pressure on the quarterback, but they're gauging where the quarterback might go and the one uh, in the direction of the potential break is laying off and containing, and it's the one on the other side that's coming in and taking the hit. So if it looks like it's going one way, it's garbage. If it looks like it's going the other way, it's going to be Belmar. And they're playing together. Not everybody just out for himself. They're actually playing together, which is super in the defensive line. Because having played it, Defensive line, sometimes you're on an island by yourself. In that big crowd of people, it's just you and whoever this guy in front of you. And to have them playing together and planning things and setting stuff up and actually executing plays inside, that's when you start to get that special. That's when you start to see things happening that are incredible because now you tag in three excellent linebackers.
0: Yeah, and speaking of linebackers, that was my next point is Ashby's been all ACC level all year long. But, man, Dax is another guy getting – but we're starting to see why – he was a four a high four star player. Every week he's getting better. He and it's never about athleticism or strength or him. It was about being comfortable. He's not playing. He's I think he's more suited to the Mike spot. and He's playing more of an outside spot, and he's getting comfortable. And he's flying around sideline to sideline. He's got great instincts. He's a good athlete. It's nice to see him.
1: Just in the it, it, as the second half, I, I was watching the press conference, and Bud actually did move him to Mike in the second half.
0: And speaking of the linebackers is is my guy, Alan Tisdale, got to play a lot in the second half. That guy was flying around all over the place in the second half. I, I don't know if he got credit for two sacks. I know he got in there and hit the quarterback a bunch there in the second half. And and that little guy that, that came in for them, Yates, was a quick little guy. And
1: Yeah, he was dangerous.
0: Yeah, Tisdale was all over him. And another really exciting player is, is Alan Tisdale. He did get the two sacks.
1: And then and then we have something that I said in the article that I will say again here in the space, that DBU is back, okay? The defensive backs are amazing. Waller is getting good. He's getting better every single game. He is really starting to bloom, and he's feeding off of the fact that the other guy you just mentioned, Caleb Farley, is becoming dominant. Caleb Farley is going to, as long as he doesn't get hurt and as he keeps moving and keeps growing in his position, Caleb Farley is going to attract next level attention.
0: Yeah, he is. And, and while I think he's still got a bit of a ways to go and should come back for one more year and then go pro next year, maybe he, he has everything you're looking for. He has size, athleticism. He's learning how to play the position because it wasn't his fault. He was a to the position because he was such a good athlete. Now he's he's learning how to play cornerback and he's doing very well with it.
1: Yeah, it's his anticipation and his interception in the pick six. Well, that was okay. a trap. That was besides having Chamari Connor put pressure on the quarterback in the end zone, which scared the tar out of the quarterback because he thought he was going to get sacked in the end zone for safety. Yet Chamari Connor who puts heavy pressure on him with something that we haven't seen for a long time out of Bud Foster, which is bug nuts, blitzes. He was blitzing from everywhere. He was, he was sending guys. They were cooperating with the defensive line. It was beautiful. It was Bud Foster's defense. Again, it was total distraction. Connor got in the quarterback, scared the quarterback, the quarterback threw the ball up. And it was it was like a play designed from heaven because Caleb Farley jumped the route and he was gone.
0: Yeah, man. well, as we as we start to turn the page now and look toward this week's game against Pitt, we'll kind of wrap this one up now and yeah, give a brief look at Pitt coming into Lane Stadium this weekend. And if I'm not mistaken, right now Maurice French, who's their really good wide receiver, he was out against North Carolina this week. Some say it's a jaw injury. And they're saying he could be out this week. That'd be huge for the Hokies if French were to miss a game. A very good player. And I mean, I want him at I want him at full strength, but that would be a big deal if he couldn't play for them. And I'm sure Narduzzi would let everyone know if they lost, why they lost, because that's the kind of guy he is. But
1: Well, oh yeah, Mr. Class.
0: But um it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough game and, and I was a little bit surprised it was a three thirty kick. I thought when both teams won they would make it a seven thirty game, but
1: yeah, it's you know. seven, seven thirty. I, I thought it was too. now personally between you and me, and I'm sure you appreciate it too, it's nice having <laughs> it's actually kind of nice having it at three thirty because that means that we get out of there, we can hike out and you know, and get wrapped up and it's not too late and you get home not too late, which you know, that kinda of helps. But uh, I like those
0: seven. I actually like those three thirty kicks. I actually consider that the best time, really. To I love the night games in Lane, but for us, you know, getting in and out the three thirty games are fun because not not only that, the it gives the the fans time to pack the place and get loud. And we've seen that with Wake Forest in North Carolina. The the uh, the atmosphere was amazing.
1: I think at this point, the way Pitt's going, it's going to be bloody noses all the way around. This is going to be the defense is going to have to prove that it's learned its lesson and knows how to deal with things. Pitt's got a decent quarterback. He's not the best. He does have a tendency to make mistakes, which if we play our P's and Q's right, we've got two cornerbacks who are getting very ball hockey and a couple of safeties that are really eating up the blitzing and enjoying going after quarterbacks. Now that we've got a rush contain that works. So, it might be a bad day for for Kenny Pickett this time
0: around, well, I hope it is. I think they're 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 really good on in the defense especially on the defensive line and in the secondary they they have um they have really good safeties in paris Ford and damar Hamlin and yeah. The defensive line is good.
1: I don't worry about their offense as much although they have a better offense this year than they did last year. I am concerned about the fact that their defense is going to be Several notches above it's gonna be good back to wake Forest now, I think that based on the fact that our defense did a pretty good job of handling wake, I think that that'll be fine. I just think that it next week the play calling is going to have to step up a notch, and this is where i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up as we go into the last three minutes here, folks and I'll write this at the end of the season, but I'm going to tip my hat right now. People aren't listening or seeing, or maybe they are, and I've seen a couple of people in the Twitter world. This all turned around because of one thing. You had a head coach that everybody was talking about getting fired and was angry at and everything else, who had the courage to say, time out, I need help. And reach out to an old mentor who could come in as an independent auditor and look at what he was doing and how he was doing it and make substantive changes at a very rapid clip. And that's what happened. I think the turning point of this season was Jerry Kill hire. You know, now no matter what happens little bit later on whether we split the wins whether we drop two because of whatever or whether we go roaring into the championship game in charlotte doesn't matter whatever happens from now on this is a fundamentally different football team and the pivot was the hiring of jerry kill
0: well to to not to dismiss that too is that bud foster i mean we've seen it for so long but Look how much – look how his units changed in in the past seven, six, seven weeks.
1: Yeah, they grew yeah. up.
0: That's what he does, man. He, You may see some str- – when he has young a young defense early in the season, you may see some struggles, and you'll have the, the people out there saying Bud's done or whatever. Just give Bud time. Let him learn what he has, and he'll put the pieces together to put together a solid defense, and that's what he's done this year.
1: Yeah, Bud Foster is – Going to be the I, I, this is my prediction. He'll be the first assistant coach inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. I think everybody wants it. I think all the sports guys want it. I think everybody you know all the reporters, the people that would vote for it, they all want it because he can't It was a package deal with Frank. The two of them were a package deal. They have been since they came out of Murray State together. As far as you know, Frank coming out of coaching Murray State and Bud being one of his star pupils along with uh, also Charlie Wiles, too. And it, it, it's one of those things that, that Bud Foster is going to go into the Hall of Fame and he's going to deserve it. And I think <laughs> I'm wondering when he's going to be knocking on the door going, I kind of want my job back. <laughs> that's that's going to be my question. After, he re, after he's water-served surf, water surf for the 30th time, is he going to go, oh, I need to get back onto the football field? So that's going to be the big question. And so w- w- will Bud Foster come back at the door or not? I-, I don't know. But I do know that we're going to come back a game wrap, at least the game wrap. Maybe we'll get a preview in. Our grad student editor is it works really, really hard to make our choppy kind of strange system work. And uh, she's been busy with her thesis and buried with a conference. So she had to present a paper. So we had kind of a gap and we apologize for our gap but we're going to be back on schedule so we gotta we gotta say one thing as we always say and they're gonna add something to it go Hokies beat Pitt